So again, I'm uh, Dan Gibbons, the Vice Chair of the Board of Governors for the, the City Club of Chicago. Happy New Year. Welcome back. We're going to get our, our program underway here uh, in, in just mo another moment. And um, before we do hear from today's featured speaker, uh, I do want to share a little disclaimer as we kick off the new year. Uh, here at City Club, we are focused on providing a platform for those who are doing good things proposing ideas to better our great city. As a reminder, we are not partisan or biased toward any political party, any candidate, any office, or any office holder. Uh, that includes local, municipal, uh, county, state, federal, you name it. Um, we do have a strong history of this, over 120 years. It'll be 120 years this year. Uh, and it remains at the center of our ethos. So that said, um, it's no secret that there's an important election on the horizon that I think everyone in the room and certainly uh, the press and the folks in the back are, are also well aware of. And speaking of the back, we had we had so many sponsors that I know there's some members that are, are, are back. We're going to work on this, you know. Members get a little priority seating, sponsors, you know, we're, we've might, we're making some, some good changes to City Club, but know that we see you, we hear you, this is, a, this is the room, you're in the room, we're happy to have you, and, and uh, we'll hope to see you again next time uh, and, and, and elevate your experience every, every time that you are here. Um, so we asked Congressman Garcia and, and others who may or may not be running for office uh, to just respect this institution and our, our guidelines by focusing on the primary goals, their ideas, and their solutions. Specifically, we, we don't want this, this city club platform to be used for attacks or insults or you know, by any candidate, toward any other candidate. Um, we're, we're playing nice around here, and we're thinking forward and thinking positive because there's so many good things to come. Um, another staple of the City Club is the question and answer portion of our program, uh, and we always remind speakers to save time for the tough ones. Um, so, Congressman, if you see Jackie slowly inching your way towards the, the podium, you'll understand that's why. Um, we want to make sure to get some, uh, some questions. We already have some pre-submitted questions, too. So uh, if you do have a question for the congressman, um, there are, I believe, uh, there's some paper on your tables. Uh, please get the, the, let us know if you have one. Either pass it towards the front of the room during the program. We'll get them to Jackie. Or if you see Amanda or our staff, uh, we will make sure to get those questions so that we can, can Jackie will, will moderate that after the congressman is, is finished with his remarks. All right, Congressman Garcia has agreed to all of this. Thank you. Very happy to, honored to have you. Uh, as you. As you'll see on our website and the emails that are coming out, uh, we will be hosting other candidates over the next few weeks. We'll share those same guidelines with all of them as well. Uh, and we are also planning a fun uh, evening event in February where each candidate will have the ability to share a very brief uh, why me uh, sort of pitch. And it's going to more to come on that soon, but stand by your email because it's going to sell out very quickly, we think. That all said, I will, I will keep this introduction very brief and non-biased. Um, our speaker today is currently the Congressman of Illinois' 4th Congressional District. I think... I think many of us can agree that we're happy to, that he was able to go back to work last week after a few interesting days in our nation's capital. Maybe we'll hear a little bit about that. Uh, his, his full bio is on the website, um, and it includes terms on the Chicago City Council and the Illinois Senate, Cook County Board of Commissioners, and, of course, Congress, uh, U.S. Congress since 2018. His wife, Evelyn, is here with him today. Welcome, Evelyn. Thank you. 
and, and we're honored to have to welcome uh, to the City Club of Chicago, Congressman Chuy Garcia. Come on up, Congressman. Thank you. Thank you. I was looking at my wife. I was uh, looking at my wife. Uh, <laughs> forgot to to make the move. Uh, but I made the move when I needed to. So, uh, And next week, uh, we will be celebrating our 45th wedding anniversary. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got to roll out my creds, you know, early on here. Get as much sympathy as possible. I was 21 and she was 18. And uh, we worked it out, and we're still having plenty of fun, especially on uh, happy Friday the 13th to each and every one of you. I just uh, want to make, uh, make it clear that I'm sharing the most positive karma with each and every one of you who dared to come out on Friday the 13th. So I want to reassure you that I am a lucky man, and that... Uh, It's been with me since I came here. I was a lucky boy when I arrived at the age of nine in 1965. My parents brought me to this city from Mexico. And I was lucky to learn from so many community, labor, and political leaders in this city. People like Rudy Lozano, people like Harold Washington, I was, uh, I am a very proud adopted son of Little Village, one of the most dynamic neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. And it's the neighborhood that produced Anton Cermak, one of the earliest coalition builders, Czech origin. Any Czech folks in the house should be proud of that. A lot of them migrated westward from uh, Little Village. So there is a uh, history in Little Village as it relates to the mayor's office in Chicago. And of course, it's the place where at my local public library, I met the love of my life, uh, Evelyn. And we have seven grandkids. So talk about luck on Friday the 13th. But I'm a very, very grateful guy. And I want to thank the City Club, of course for giving me the opportunity to talk with all of you today about how I plan to handle the paramount issue in Chicago, the topic of public safety as your mayor. This, in many ways, is Chicago's place of record and where civic leaders lay their ideas before the press, the public, and the community, and the civic sector. You are an essential part of Chicago civic life, and I'm honored to be here today. It's been a great honor uh, to serve uh, my community and our city at almost every level as the founder and leader of a nonprofit uh, community development organization, as an alderman, as state senator on the Cook County Board, and now in the U.S. Congress, the greatest honor of my life, and yes, I did survive last week. It reminded me of uh, the succession battle, one long night in Chicago City Council after Harold Washington died, December 1st, 2nd, still quite vivid. But wherever I have gone, I have fought for workers' rights, universal health care, the rights of immigrants, criminal justice reform, and many other causes. I've reached across communities, built long-lasting relationships, and have gotten things done. I did it all because this is the city that I love. Today, Chicagoans don't feel safe in our own city. We've had a 41% increase in major crime complaints. Every one of us, if we haven't experienced crime personally, know someone, a friend, a family member, a neighbor who has. That's why I'm here today. That's why I'm running for mayor of our great city. 
I'm not going to sit back and watch Chicago fail because of incompetent leadership. Four years ago, four years ago, Glory Lightfoot stood before us right here at City Club and called herself a reformer. She made a lot of promises that day, but as mayor, she broke those promises. She turned her back on reform. She fired the people who were its biggest champions. She installed a police chief who lost the faith of everyone around him. She was supposed to be tough and results-oriented. I know, I endorsed her. But when she failed, instead of doing what a leader does, taking responsibility and solving problems, she dug in. While she was managing our police, pointing fingers and hurling insults, Chicagoans were dying. There are no words for the dead, for the shattered families, for the children senselessly shot as they walk out of school, for the people dealing with the trauma of carjackings and armed robberies. A mayor who cannot keep us safe is a mayor we cannot afford to keep. We need, we need to end this runaway crime. All of you understand it and have experienced how it has spread. We need a leader with the experience and relationships to bring our police and our communities together to heal the rift of distrust. And we also need a plan. No plan is perfect, but a plan that gives us a place to start and helps us all see where we want to go, even if there are some surprises and detours along the way. The plan I'm putting out today has many elements, and you can read the details in the document that we're sharing. But I want to talk about the big picture with you now. My plan starts with fully staffing our police department. We need to deal with how best to train and support police and hold police accountable. But we cannot keep our city safe without them. Unfortunately, a lot of good officers, people we all want wearing the uniform, are leaving our police force. They're retiring early, starting a new career, even leaving our city altogether. The Chicago Police Department staffing numbers are near their lowest in near in recent history. Between 2019 and August 2022, about 2,406 officers and staff retired. Nearly 1,000 officers resigned and staff. There were 82 officers who died during that time. At least three were killed in the line of duty, and at least 10 committed suicide. This is a hard job. I graduated from St. Rita High School, where some of my friends became cops, people I'm friends with to this day, and they'll tell you what it's like. Many officers feel that these jobs are not what they signed up for. Their schedules are unpredictable. The risks are real. Some communities that they serve have lost faith in them. Too often, they feel they have nowhere to go. As much as rogue cops need accountability, good cops deserve respect. There are some basic things. There are some basic things that police officers need to make the job sustainable. Our officers deserve a reliable schedule, stability on the job, and proper access to mental health care. That's just, there's just no way to recruit and retain good police officers if we won't invest in them. Making these changes requires new leadership. It requires the capability and the commitment to plan and to learn. It means improving the experience of the rank and file. It requires administrative excellence that is simply not in evidence at CPD at present. Importantly, we can do all these things and increase the manpower on patrol. 
We do that by immediately moving sworn personnel from the citywide task forces back to patrol. Those of you in the press corps, ask Mayor Lori Lightfoot why they buried the workforce allocation report that the University of Chicago Crime Lab prepared. We increased patrol by hiring civilians into the desk jobs currently filled by sworn officers and sending the officers back on patrol. And of course, we hire and train new recruits, recruits who look like the communities that they serve. We also need to understand that modern policing has to arrive in Chicago. Let's train and equip and support our officers for the jobs they need to do. Let's make better use of civilians to manage the administrative work at CPD and empower non-police responders to handle non-threatening situations. A one-size-fits-all approach to policing doesn't work. And after so long, let's finally respect and work together with the communities that we serve. I know some people are surprised to hear a guy like me who spent decades as a community activist, community builder, supporting hiring police officers. But building the violence prevention programs in Little Village was only possible by having an understanding with police. It's dealing with the reality on the ground and having hard discussions and having respect for each other. Yes, we have to hold police accountable, but we cannot treat them like the enemy and expect things to get better. I've spent decades working on better police community relations, and I can tell you, as long as police officers feel attacked, nothing will change. The other side to that coin is the question of accountability. We need to set and enforce clear standards for police conduct. That begins with effectively implementing the consent decree that the federal court put in place after the shooting of Laquan McDonald. A lot of stakeholders, including police, got together, got together to hammer out the details and open up a new era of transparency. The key first step to accountability. We have a lot of data about crime and policing that can help us understand what's going wrong in our neighborhoods. We need to make that data accessible to all on a public dashboard. All of us who live in our city should know what's going on in our city so we can all be informed in the conversation about how to improve. And when I say we need to, that is, it's actually a legal requirement our government needs to respect, but it's just been tossed aside. The independent monitor charged with overseeing the consent decree compliance has now issued six semi-annual reports. As of the latest, only 28 of 552 reforms have been completed. In the latest report, independent monitor Maggie Hickey went out of her way to say, and this is a quote, the city and the CPD must significantly improve efforts to develop and maintain partnerships with Chicago's communities to simultaneously implement reforms and effective crime reduction strategies. These failures have terrible consequences. We all live with them every day. Another point on transparency and accountability. No mayor has been willing to publicly set goals, and that leaves people feeling helpless. We're not. During transition, I will detail specific timelines and milestones for internal goals. Let's commit to them now. Let's measure the perception of public safety across our neighborhoods and downtown and commit to improving the measure every year. Let's measure police trust and commit to improve it every year. Let's measure 
community health, using social determinants of health to hold the city accountable for investing in healthy communities citywide. I assure you, the, the private sector and the business community will take note. These milestones are achievable with steady leadership. Setting public goals and achieving them will restore morale at CPD, build trust in community, reduce violence, create the conditions for community rebuilding, and let Chicago and the world know that we're meeting our most pressing challenges. The last big point I want to highlight from the plan in the long term, we have to invest in proven violence prevention efforts. Chicago is home from some of the most innovative Chicago community violence intervention efforts in the nation. You've heard from them at this podium, but there are under-resourced and currently undermined by the city. The city needs a deputy mayor of public safety and an office of violence reduction that are properly staffed and led by someone with violence intervention experience. Because of the poor relationship, more than nine out of ten dollars of the ARPA funds sent to Chicago for violence prevention are still sitting in the bank. Unconscionable. I know they are. I helped get this money in Congress. There's no excuse for this lack of leadership. I will make violence reduction a goal and commit to measurable outcomes. I will properly staff and resource the mayor's office to coordinate violence intervention efforts. Chicago doesn't just face violent crime. We also see increased hate crime, rising levels of anti-black, anti-Asian, anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant, and anti-LGBT violence call for new strategies, but also a more sympathetic response which goes to training and leadership and to better partnerships with community-based organizations. I will work with the county, with the state, and with philanthropy to scale community violence intervention efforts the department will work with community partners and youth, youth across the city. We will make real investments in community violence intervention and preventative efforts. We will address our, our longstanding inequities by investing in communities to address the root causes of violence. And I will hold myself and the police accountable by being transparent with our results. This is my plan. It moves us towards a modern, fully funded, fully staffed, data-informed police department that engages in real community policing, constitutional policing, and comprehensive violence interruption efforts where officers know the communities they serve and morale improves Chicago's police take pride in their relationships with the community. Now, there are no silver bullets here. We have to do the work, and we have to come at the problem from all angles. But we know what works. We know the strategies that reduce violence. We know the strategies that, re that increase transparency. We know the strategies that will improve trust. We know what will improve police morale? We know what constitutional policing is. We just need the leadership to get it done in Chicago. If we have leadership to bring everyone together around evidence-informed strategies, we can make lasting progress. I know that every candidate in this race has a plan. What is Mayor Lightfoot's? She did announce an Our City, Our Safety plan, but the leaders who designed it are all gone. She talks of a whole-of-government response, but has not explained what it means or how it will be implemented. What has worked? 
What has not? No one knows. In the daily years, we had caps. In the Emmanuel years, we had data-driven decisions through the strategic decision support centers. Today, these live on only as poorly resourced vestiges of the initial ideas. They are not priorities. But what has replaced them? 1.5 million happy interactions between police and citizens? A gang forfeiture failure? Midnight curfews? She's not serious. CPD is struggling. According to a recent analysis by the Tribune, CPD is failing to respond to 911 calls. More than 21,000 high-priority calls sat for more than an hour before CPD dispatched an officer. We know this because CPD was forced to provide the data by legal settlement. The same Tribune analysis found that CPD's own published data on response times is a deliberate falsehood, measuring only the travel time of its officers, not the time between the 911 call and the arrival of officers on the scene. Imagine if you're one of those callers in distress. The mayor and Superintendent Brown seem to think that a police department is the place where every problem, from, vi from gang violence to gender-based violence, gets the same weak and misguided response. They seem to think that citywide task forces that do not know our communities can swoop in and keep us safe. They are stuck in the past. And do you know who knows it? The carjackers, the shooters, the armed robbers, and they're acting with impunity across the city. But so do the experts on policing. They know this too. So do many young officers currently serving our city well. If you want to know what Mayor Lightfoot thinks about Chicagoans who are concerned about crimes, just look at her latest ad. Instead of moving us forward, she calls us haters. Really? Go look at the ad. Haters. That's what she calls everyone who does not think the city is doing all it can to make us safe. She's not serious. I am serious. And it's time to stop blaming everyone and to start doing the job. If there ever was a time to elect someone with the record of bringing people together, of building coalitions to get things done, it is now. And I think it's safe to say that no one else in this race has more experience doing that type of coalition building than I do. Have you seen the finger pointing between the mayor and the state's attorney, the mayor and the courts, the mayor and the governor? Chicago knows me. I bring people together. I build constructive relationships. Coordination between and among parties involved in law enforcement is important. And bringing people together is what I do. As mayor, I will work with the private, religious, civic, and philanthropic sectors to develop a citywide strategy and to coordinate our efforts to make every community safe. We have a moral imperative to address the long-standing inequities that plague our city and are a root cause of the violence. This goes way beyond law enforcement and speaks to our city's heart and soul. I grew up in Little Village and went to high school at St. Rita. Some of my friends became cops, and I'm friends with them to this day. In my community work, I talk a lot about partnering with police, about bringing people together. I want to make sure that I'm clear about what that means, because it's easy to misunderstand as some kind of kumbaya, feel-good exercise. 
a formality, or a pleasantry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having hard conversations. I'm talking about the hard work of empathy, of showing people respect even when you disagree with them. In my experience, that's what actually breaks through stuck relationships and make things happen. Hard conversations like my wife and I have had for 45 years. And we work it out. But to me, this is a critical part of what leadership is about. The hard work about bringing people together. And if you want to know what happens when leaders skip that part, just look at the mayor. Look, Chicago's a tough town. So it's understandable. You might think that it takes someone not so nice to run the place. But we've tried that. And we've all seen how it works out. <laughs> what this city needs is a leader to do the hard work of bringing our communities together, of using the resources and the platform of the mayor's office to get our communities and police force working together to take our city back, back to the city we all love. Thank you to the City Club for hosting us today. Thank every Chicagoan who's ready to move forward. This is usually the part where I say I'm going to let our speaker get some water, but we have no water up here. So, can somebody get some water up here, maybe? He might want to take a drink or two. Um, let me just take a second to acknowledge the City Club staff. They pulled this off in three days. I'm biased. They're pretty awesome. So thank you, Steph. And I know a lot of people in this room called. And I know it's no longer the, hey, can you get me in? I, you know, Dan's trying to do this thing right. So, again, there is no bad seat. If you know the trick, you might have to be Baptist to know this, but if you know the trick about sitting in the back of the room, you can tip out if you need to. <laughs> now, if I see you, I might call you and say, hey, see you leaving. But... At least you're in the back of the room. So there are no bad seats. Congressman, thank you so much. We have a ton of questions, it looks like. Um, you guys have no idea. This is so much tougher than it looks when you get questions two seconds before you have to read them. So I'm going to start with the ones that the pre, the pre-submitted questions. Thank you to those people that submitted them. And um, I'm going to start with a real tough one. Grant Williams, are you in the room? Mr. Williams, it says you're not a member. Hmm. You do know the, the riff, right? That you do you know Mr. Omar Dagestani? He does not. You will. Before the pro, before today's over, you'll know him. Uh, thank you so much for your question though. This is a real tough one, Julie. How will you unite Chicago? Unite? How will you unite Chicago? Building uh, coalitions is what got Harold Washington elected. That was my mentor. I, in my first political outing, won by 59 votes for ward committeeman, 1984. I won that race because I got good support from African Americans in our district, even though they were a small part of the 22nd ward. I got support from the old timers who had lived in Little Village, people that sometimes saw the Mexicans displacing them. They were Polish and Bohemian and Czech because they knew what I was about. And I was about action. I was about respect. And uh, coalition building has been just my mantra. Latinos especially and especially on the southwest side because we don't the, the idea of one person one vote doesn't quite apply to us because of our immigration status and our youthful age 
have had to become experts in coalition building to win seats. And I do it not just on a practical level, but on a philosophical level. I identify and empathize with groups that have suffered historic discrimination and exclusion, be they African-American, be they women, or others who have been excluded from the process. Thank you. Normally, I don't ask questions that don't have a name on them. Please note that we at the City Club are open and non-biased, but I'm going to ask this question. And it also says that you're not a member. You were just chicken because you knew I was going to say you're not a member. Whomever this question is coming from, that's what it was. It's not that you didn't want the question asked. Um, Omar, I'm going to give you this and you can figure it out. Um, timely city payments to vendors is a challenge. We know that's very true. What steps are you taking to prepare to put in place to address this problem? That's a question. Well, you heard it uh, at the city club first. I want to hang a shingle at City Hall if I'm elected, after I'm sworn in, that says that City Hall is open for good business, good ethical business. We have talent in this city everywhere. And people, instead of getting helped and good customer service, friendly customer service, are given the runaround. It forces people it makes them to find people to expedite their cases. Uh, you know, people who hustle, they're, sometimes they're good, uh, but it's an extra added charge. People have to make multiple trips to come back, and people's payments are delayed. Making the wheels of government turn and work for small business is really, really critical. The key to getting Chicago back on track is to have all of our economic engines firing. I also realize that getting development going and starting again in downtown is critical to generate the resources that we need to invest in the neighborhoods. And I think that post-COVID, post-racial reckoning, folks everywhere in this city understand the urgency of rebuilding Chicago more equitably and not leaving people out because it's only a matter of time before things explode. Thank you, Congressman. I'd like to mix two questions together. Um, one is about resourcing for mental health and how you plan to expand those resources. And then the other one, it's a same question, different uh, sect of people, um, and maybe not in some cases. What are your plans to protect the city's um, most vulnerable? And this came from the National Union of the Homeless. The other question came from um, John Diglis. Oh, he goes there. Mental health and, Mental health and homelessness. Yes. Uh, the two uh, topics or issues are very closely uh, tied uh, together. Uh, there is a greater need for mental health services in Chicago today because of the pandemic and the toll that it took, especially in lower income communities throughout Chicago. Black and brown people were hit so, so severely. It is one of the factors, I believe, that is driving much of the violence in the city and the unprecedented uh, criminal activity that is going on there. It's rooted in hopelessness. We not only need to think about providing services at the shuttered mental health services, we need to figure out how to get a bigger bang for the buck. The county spends about $80 million in mental health. The city, $89 million in the, uh, 80, in, in the 2023 budget. The two leaders, the, the mayor and the president of the board, need to visit each other frequently. We need to become partners. We should become partners. I have told the president that I will cross over the hallway to meet with her because in the area of healthcare, the city, yes, she's older than me, so you know, that's cool. Um, 
and I ran three marathons, although she's, she used to run a whole lot as well. Look, uh, we did not agree in the last mayoral election, but it's a new day, and all of us recognize the importance and urgency of working together to move our city, to move our county towards metropolitan government. To the question of mental health services, we need to provide those services at as many places as possible. The city has a network, I think, of 24 clinics total. The county has 14 clinics. There are also many federally qualified health clinics that are places where mental health clinicians can provide those services. That's the type of collaboration that we need. It's a type of collaboration that I want to advance. We need to move toward metropolitan form of government. The city and the suburbs are linked forever. As Chicago goes, so do the suburbs. So let's make it work. Whether it's housing or uh, transportation or crime or violence, this is the type of initiative that needs to happen in Chicago because I graduated from the University of Illinois at Chicago with a master's degree in urban planning. I'm ready to roll up my sleeves to tap the talent in this room and other places to make good things happen, expanding mental health and investing, of course, in housing people without shelter are priorities in Chicago. Not only in Chicago, but it's the number one issue that my former colleague, Karen Bass, is facing in LA. She's taking it on directly, and I plan to collaborate with her on finding the best ways forward on homelessness as well as mental health. Okay, we're going to start a speed round now because I want to get as many in as we can. Um, Lane Alexander, are you in the room? Hi. Chicago Human Rhythm Project is where he's from. This is a, a, a good question, a little off um, what we're, the other things we're going to talk about, but how do you plan to, how, what's your vision for the arts in Chicago? Chicago has a wonderful plethora of arts organizations, from nascent ones to longtime established ones, and much uh, in between. Uh, the arts are a wonderful place to involve young people in. Uh, I think it is a force that has to be unleashed. I certainly would look to uh, D-Case and the Department of uh, Cultural Affairs, I may be dating myself, they may have a new name uh, in the city of Chicago, uh, to look at how we tap the great talent all over Chicagoland, south side, west side, uh, northwest side, lakefront, uh, far north as well. It is a huge community. I would, of course, welcome all of their policy ideas about initiatives and programs. It's part of what we need to do to invest. I also see summer and year-round youth job programs as having great potential and uh, overlap uh, or convergence in terms of the arts communities in Chicago. Thank you. I'm going to move a little bit quicker now. This is from Risa Johias. Risa, are you here from BMO? Hi. Um, what supply-side solutions would you consider to address gun violence? How might you update the city's procurement policies for law enforcement's purchase of firearms? Well, first of all, uh, I have to congratulate uh, the General Assembly, Illinois General Assembly, and Governor Pritzker for uh, starting uh, the new year and uh, a new uh, term uh, with the assault weapons ban. Uh, we were trying to pass something like that in Congress. We settled for something more modest, uh, but it's in the right direction. Uh, gun violence will continue to afflict us if we don't find ways to reduce that supply. The most tangible solution is for Congress to act. We will continue to try. We've had too many Sandy Hooks. We've had a shooting at Benito Juarez High School three weeks ago. 
unconscionable access to guns is so easy in Chicago. Let's remember where they come from. The supply needs to be cut off. It's in the, the hands of Congress to act, and it needs to continue to explore more legislation. Thank you. Luis Montgomery, are you in the room? Hi, Luis. As you know, Alderman Viegas led the effort for the Guaranteed Basic Income GBI pilot program in Chicago. How would you work with the city council to make this a permanent program? Uh, first of all, I would uh, not invite uh, San Bankman Freed to come to Chicago and open up an office and uh, make a contribution to the program and then things fall apart, which is uh, what is happening uh, as it relates to that company. Uh, the initiative is a, an interesting one. It's, it's, it's a good one. Other cities are experimenting as well. I think in the state of Washington, they've been doing it uh, the longest. I also would like to explore uh, other initiatives around work and employment. The concept of guaranteed employment and jobs is another way to connect with people who need employment. I do think that uh, any jobs initiative like my Connecting You to Jobs Act bill in Congress is geared toward helping young people get jobs, keep jobs with wraparound services to ensure their success. Thank you. So, Carlos Ponce and Dave Lundy, I'm going to try to combine your questions. Carlos asks, um, how does your public safety plan address working with the state's attorney's office? And then Dave asks, do you favor more police on the street? And how much of the problem is a, the gang issue is a policing issue? So, see if you can yes. put those two together. Thank you. Uh, I not only uh, find it necessary to work with the state's attorney's office and to have the conversations that I uh, reference, but also with uh, the sheriff, with uh, J Judge Evans and the judges uh, in the court system, with the juvenile court as well. Uh, they are all stakeholders in this effort to reduce violence, to prevent violence, and to offer the types of investments and services that are critical to helping people who have lived in poverty, who have come from broken homes, who have suffered because of the decades of disinvestment. So I see the urgency of convening all of those stakeholders to have those conversations to uh, figure out uh, policies and practices that can move us forward uh, while continuing to ensure that there is justice for the victims of violent crime in particular. Uh, as, and including uh, violence against women, uh, which is a huge problem and one of the uh, most challenging aspects of violence that for that too often goes unreported, uh, shoved uh, under the rug and not discussed. And then this will be our final question because I do want to try to be true to um, when you're sitting with Martin Cabrera and John Rogers, you're very conscientious of time. Two guys don't play. That's why their businesses are so successful. Uh, Eric Russell of Tree of Life Justice League asks, do you support community control for the police department? And what are your thoughts on a CPD district council election? It's interesting. Great. We've embarked on uh, this road of uh, creating more stakeholders uh, as it relates to uh, Chicago community policing. I see the district uh, elections as uh, one more uh, body of uh, stakeholders that can help uh, move the implementation of the consent decree forward, as well as a body of uh, people who can help create trust and work to improve public safety in those communities. So I welcome it. I am prepared uh, to work with them as I will be prepared to work with the new uh, elected Board of Education uh, as it is phased in uh, over the next several years in Chicago. Challenging, but it's my experience as a, as a former member of the Council of the Illinois Senate, Cook County Board, and now Congress, 
how to engage groups and stakeholders and arrive at sensible solutions. Uh, absolutely. I've been on record. Uh, my preference, uh, with all due respect to all the stakeholders that will be uh, in place, is to have someone from Chicago to lead the police department to usher in a department that understands the urgency of modernization, lifting up the next uh, generation of leaders within the Chicago Police Department, uh, and of course, that understands the urgency of building or rebuilding trust between community residents, especially in those areas of the city that have the most contact and incidents of encounters with police officers. I'm going to bring our vice chair back up. Uh, we cannot thank U.S. Congressman Jesus Chuy Garcia enough for coming and taking and spending time with us today. Uh, we appreciate him greatly. Thank you, Congressman. It means so much to us. He's not done yet. He's not done yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch and step down now and um, let Dan step and do our final thing. No, we just, we, we do have, in another city club tradition, uh, we will pull a card out of the bowl if anyone has a last-minute card. Um, in a little preview for what's going to happen next week, uh, this this week's certificate is for Alpana, which Alpana sings new restaurants. We're starting to fo focus a little bit on some uh, women and minority-owned businesses throughout and around the city. Um, so more to come on, on that for next week and our fun event that's coming. So we do have a certificate for that, and I will ask uh, a non-biased... Right. Not the congressman, because it's, you know, we're going to... Rob, will you pick a card? <laughs> All right, great. This is going to go to Robert Ginsburg from the Center on Work and Community Development. Dr. PhD, there he is, right in the middle of the room. Thank you. And then, of course, we have a one-year membership for congressman. Chewy Garcia that Jackie will, um, he's got a couple of them, so they, they, they'll go for many years. But thank you for, for joining us, one-year membership to the City Club, and we look forward to having the congressman back and, of course, all of you. Is City Club adjourned, Madam Chair? City Club is adjourned. All right. Thank you thank all. You all.